I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome on in for what arguably could be, and I don't know if there's any much much argument about it, the biggest morning after podcast we've ever had. Utah wins. BYU shocks the college football world. Utah State gets a nightcap win as well. Gentlemen, that was, uh, we've got nothing to talk about. Where do you want to begin? <laughs> do we need to start with BYU? How about we begin with this? Have we ever seen a weekend in the state of Utah where the number 17 and number 14 teams were beat by BYU and Utah. Have we ever seen two top 20 ranked teams beat in the same weekend? Uh, Probably. I, I don't know about that. Not, 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 you know, I'll put a, I'll put something in there. Not while playing in the same state. How about that? (laughs) It's gotta be rare. Like this has to be one in a million, but it was it was just a fun night of college football all around. You know, you throw in the Weaver State win, and just all across the state of Utah, it was great football. It was it was entertaining, a lot of different storylines, and so it's really fun to be on air and uh, and be able to do this after a weekend like that. Well, I think we all need to start with a game that surprised all of us, and that was not just BYU beating Boise State, but for a moment there really putting it to Boise State. I'm calling the Utah State game, and we keep getting score updates. Well, BYU's up 14-10. to 10. BYU's up 21-10. to 10. BYU's up 28-10. to 10. And it just – and Kevin White and I kept looking at ourselves like, what is going on down there? So, so Hans, I'll ask you the question. What was going on down there? Well, all sorts of guys showed up to play in this game. And – if you were listening during the week of, of the Hanson Scotty show, you heard different mentions. In fact, you've heard it probably the last two weeks, but really things surfaced more this week where Kalani put his fingers deep into this defense and said enough's enough. And Kalani will never throw anybody under the bus. I, I don't even know if he'll fess up or own up to this or, you know, if we just have to continue to say it on air, but that had Kalani Sataki's signature all over it. You watched the way 
he used Dan Guano Loco. You watch the way he used Chaz Ayu. You watch the four-man front in, I, I would say, in every run down and distance and run formation. You watched, uh, you watched a change at the linebacker position. You saw personnel changes at the, the corner. You saw it was just a, it was a shift of defensive scheme and defensive personnel, and I think that that a lot of that caught Boise State off guard. On the offensive side, you saw guys rise to the occasion. Third string quarterback Baylor Romney showed up and and felt like he had an axe to grind with the very first drive that went whatever it was seventy some odd yards and tied it up 7-7 with Boise State to to the start, the, the very first start of a true freshman if you hear from the state of Utah uh, the Freeland kid ended up starting at right tackle number 71 and he did everything he could to, to maintain, and Scotty you know he, he matched up with that Weaver yeah. uh, that, that one, of the, one of the nationally ranked defensive ends or rush edges, whether they count him as a linebacker or end I don't really care, but he did a fantastic job well he did as good as you could expect a true freshman to do in that situation. Um, a guard that they had started playing at left guard, Clark Barrington, he had a fantastic game on the inside. And I, I, these are these are all names, but I don't know how familiar people are. Lapini Katoa showed up to, to ball. Um, Sione Finau ended up leading the night in rushing 11 carries for 89 yards. How many times have we called Sione Finau's name and and he ended up leading the team in rushing? It, it was just guys came out of the woodwork. They showed up, picked off, and ready to play, and this was the result. It definitely looked like they played for their coach, uh, which was something we talked about all week that, hey, if they come back – I mean. I didn't. Nec- I don't think we necessarily thought there was going to be the third string quarterback. I think we we're uh, kind of. I, I was feeling uh, until you know just uh, a little bit. You know, maybe a couple hours before before the game started getting where it was looking like uh, Baylor Romney was probably going to get the start. Um, but but doing that with a third string quarterback. I mean, I, by the way, I was a big fan of Sione uh, C- uh, Finau. Like, like he's not big. Like you look at him, you're like, whoa, that guy is like looks like a, a, a wide receiver. I mean, he's probably about maybe 180 pounds, maybe 190, but he's he's pretty quick and he's shifty. And I was like, I was, I mean, it was it was good see it was good seeing BYU rally because there's like you look at you looked at who was playing in that game. There's no way BYU should have won that game. They shouldn't have. That was straight heart. That was coaching. That was as you, as you said. You know, Kalani's you know putting his fingers on the defense. Um, I mean that that was fun to watch. Well, and I think it's just something that BYU needed. I mean, and and not even let's just take out the whole Kalani Sataki and the contract thing and everything along along that line. That team had kind of a weird, kind of a black black cloud ahead of it. And it just needed something to go its way. And boy, did it go its way. And and the thing is, Boise State started throwing haymakers there in the fourth quarter. And BYU needed to find a way to get, you know, get uh, keep the offense off the field, run the clock. And they were able to get it done. And that was because I thought, you know, Boise State starts uh, starts getting some momentum in the fourth quarter hands. I'm thinking, 
the Broncos in the, you know, cause they always find a way to get some dumb luck every now and then I kind of felt like, Oh boy, Boise state's going to find a way to come back and win this thing. And BYU was able to hold them off. Well, it was bizarre how it was all unraveling too, Scotty and yeah. Boise state's picking up momentum and you're like, Oh my gosh. And then they push BYU to a fourth and one. And there's this controversy of, did they have a timeout to call a review well, how did they even overturn that with the camera angle? Because it, it showed. By the way, there was not a camera angle for that. No freaking way. I saw all the angles. There was no yeah, angle to show you they were short. You couldn't even see the ball. It was really tough. I, I don't know how they overturned it, but BYU was given the first down on ball placement. Boise State, they call for a review and I know there was speculation that they didn't have timeout, but from what I understand, one of the timeouts was returned as a, as a media timeout or, or something along those lines. I'll have to dig more into that. So Boise state gets the review and then gets the overturn on like Lloyd said, uh, a camera angle that I don't know how it showed it. And at that point you're thinking, Oh man, does Kalani have to punt it? Yep. Does, does he have to punt this? Does, can he really go for this? And he rolls out Austin Confensis. Well, I think that Aaron Roderick rolled out Austin Confensis. I, this offense had a lot of Roderick's identity on it. And um, so Austin Confensis comes out, gets under center. And, and I, I'm sure that everybody's thinking, you're going to put a fourth-string quarterback in? to take the snap on a fourth and one, but Confensis has that allure for that end around where he hands it down with the, the, the full back blocking scheme. He turns into the hole and blocks and they do that power. But instead he just took the snap and everybody piled in on his back and pushed him for the yard. And that first down gave BYU the ability to, to run the clock out as Boise State had used all their timeouts and it was, it, but Scotty, it was just one of those games where he thought, oh, here comes Boise State. It's going to happen again. They were, uh, what was, you know, I mean, look, you're on your own 34 yard line when you go for that first down. I mean, that's, that's, that's gutsy. And, and if he doesn't get that first down, there's going to be a lot of, that's one of those where you get it, you're, you're brilliant, you're gutsy, you don't, and everybody's calling for you. I mean, that's, yeah, that's going to be one where, where the you know the barbarians at the gate ready to with the pitchforks and the torches if you don't get that first down because but I love it like I really do and I'd like to think I'd say the same thing even if they didn't get it like that was a team that said you know what let's keep let, let's just keep all the fate in our hands let's just control our own destiny if we get the first we should be able to get a first down this offensive line's getting a push let's get the first down and they did it and I, and I really really admire Kalani for rolling the dice on that one so many big performances from guys, Scotty. You know, Matt Bushman was oh, yeah. spectacular last night. He just Matt made some money last night. He did, and he he had so many clutch moments in that game, and and there were some clutch calls for him. You know, to get him the ball in in some play action looks, and so I was I was really pleased with how Matt Bushman played. He. Uh, he got into the blocking scheme a lot and I'll show in film review that he did some things in blocking that produced, but I feel like, like Lloyd said, I feel like this team showed up for Kalani. I feel like they love Kalani and I, I do know for a fact that it was a different week of preparation, but 
to to a to a certain extent, so was the week of preparation for South Florida. It's just this one clicked. I don't know if it was being at Lavar Stadium. I don't know if it was added pressure of losing to South Florida. But man, you, you know, you look at what Toledo and South Florida have done since um, beating BYU. South Florida just lost the Navy yesterday, thirty-five to like three or, yeah. or something ridiculous like that. Um, Toledo, at one point, I, I looked up and Toledo was down to Ball State like 35 to, to nothing yesterday. So, you know, these are really ugly losses. And it just, it's, it, it's hard to explain that Kalani is able to get this team together and come out and get this win against a 14-ranked Boise State team. Well, I mean, that's just the frustration of the whole season right there. You beat a ranked USC team. You go to SEC country and beat Tennessee. You beat 14th ranked Boise State, and then you have losses to Toledo and South Florida. Well, look at this, Scotty. So since beating BYU, Toledo lost to Bowling Green 20-7 to and lost last night to Ball State 52-14. to <laughs> Oh, jeez. 52-14, and Toledo falls to second to the bottom in their division in, in the MAC. So it's really difficult to explain because BYU fans want answers. Yeah. They want to know, well, how do you lose to South Florida? How do you lose to Toledo? Like, it's unacceptable. They, they want answers. And, and all I can say is desperate times require desperate measures. And, and if you listen to Will Snowden in the preview show or you listen to me, where we've been talking to these guys, we, we told you that there were some extreme changes and extreme things going on in Provo. Some of them good, some of them not good. But whatever happened, it stirred up the nest. Guys showed up. It was a nice scheme. It fit well. It was aggressive. It caught Boise State flat-footed. And then there is a certain amount of Boise State looking like they were disinterested in this game. You know, they, it, at no point did it, well, except for like, five, six minutes left in the fourth quarter. It just felt like Boise State thought they were going to show up and they were they were going to be handed the win. So a lot of things went into the way this worked out. That, that's a good win to go into a bye. Yeah, no doubt. That's a really good win to go into a bye, a bye with and, you know, and have time now to uh, to really start focusing on, on Utah State. I mean, they, need, they needed that win so bad. Uh, and it was so it, it it was it was good to see. I, oh, I, I forgot to mention that um, Tyler Algier is the one that led the team in tackles. Kavika I, I, Fanua got hit too, but Tyler Algier in in a positional change, moving from running back to linebacker as a freshman, ends up on the night with nine total tackles. And Dan Guanaloco, your second leading tackler, was six. But it, I. I I really just, this morning, I wanted to point out some of the guys that came out of the woodwork that played their hearts out, and, and you could see it. They played their hearts out, and it resulted in a big win, man. But, but, Scotty, how far does this win go? It's really crazy because you look at this, and you're like, well, how far does it go to help soothe some of the issues that BYU fans have with Kalani, or or, or mend some of the issues that Tom almost got with Kalani. Well, well <clears throat> look, let's go back to uh, 
because I think Kyle Whittingham said it best, and I think we've referenced these comments a bunch, but you go back to, uh, and I don't remember if it, I think it was the second five and seven season uh, when when uh, Utah beat Stanford, and Stanford, I think, was ranked fifth in the country. And somebody asked Kyle Whittingham in the postgame press conference about it, and he said, and asked, you know, what does this mean for your program right now? And he said, well, it means nothing if we don't follow it up with other wins. And yeah. and Utah didn't. And, you know, they, they went back to losing some heartbreaking games and ended up the season five and seven. So in the grand scheme of things, that win over, I believe, a fifth-ranked uh, Stanford meant nothing because they didn't do anything with it. Uh, for BYU, if they don't follow this up with good performances against Utah State and the rest of the way, like if they go to Logan and lay an egg, this game doesn't mean anything. Honestly, if anything, yeah. it's more of an indictment on how Kalani's not able to play, get his team to play consistent football. But if they're, look, if he goes and they, they beat Utah State and they finish the season strong and they get to a bowl game and they, they win a bowl game and, you know, you get to your seven, eight wins, then all of a sudden you can look at it and say, okay, you know what? They turned the corner. They've got this thing going where they need to be. They're playing consistent football. So uh, I, I'll just respond to that the same way Kyle Whittingham did. It, it means nothing if they don't follow it up and continue to play better. I anticipate they will. Uh, I think that they'll play well the rest of the year. I don't know what that means in terms of wins and losses, but I think hopefully now they've found a formula that will translate to uh, better performances going forward. Should we talk Utah? Let's move on. Lloyd, how do you feel about Utah this morning? Uh, you know, I will say, and you know, I listened to uh, to the to the post game show with with Hans and Frank, and, it, and when it started, it was uh, it was an we'll say it was an ugly one. That defense balled out. Um, I mean, Utah fan, a twenty one. You look at the score, and I think that's really all that matters because. I mean, as we said all week, who, who's actually watching the Pac-12? Who has the Pac-12? Um, if you're somebody back east and you see 21-3, uh, number 13, Utah beats number 17, Arizona State, you're like, wow, that's pretty impressive. You don't really know how exactly how ugly that game in the rain really was because it was uh, – they, they didn't win the turnover battle. They, uh, you know – but they, but the defense. I'm telling you, Jaden Daniels, that guy was running for his life. Um, he had, I think, like four completions on the day, four or five, something like that. And and Utah, you know, they they did it. They did enough offensively. And 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 Zach Moss, I'm telling you, that guy goes out there with his with you know what he's doing with his, his shoulder, and he he runs the ball 25 times. Um, and he ran, and he, he ran hard. It's a hard, that's a hard 99 yards that he picked up on 25 carries. I think it was like something around four, you know, four yards, four or five yards a, a carry. Um, I mean, this, that's right there. That's a good, that's a good win for this, for this Utah team. You know, hands, uh, again, that was a, another game that, uh, you know, I watched the majority of it up in the press box up in Logan. And, uh, I, it kind of felt like, like old school Kyle Whittingham football, where defense is playing really, really well, offense is just doing enough, uh, and they're just—it just felt like a felt like an old, you know, you know, a prize prize fight out there. And I, you know what, I like Utah winning ugly. I think it goes back to the roots. I like it, you know how it, you know, it's what we said earlier in the week where the the offense is going to take a step backwards eventually. It's going to have a rough game, and can you still win that game when you don't play your best? 
And not only did they win not playing their best, they won, frankly, going away. Yeah, there's so many aspects that we actually need to look at in this game. Um, some of the fallout from it with the injuries of Darren Paulo, which is the most concerning to me because yeah. he couldn't put weight on his right leg, to the injuries of Tyler Huntley that left the game with 11 minutes. And Jason Shelley came in to finish. And I, I don't know what's going on with that left calf, but there's an issue there, uh, the left lower leg. Um, so there are – and then obviously the hit on Zach Moss, Zach Moss came back, but it, it looked like there was a potential concussion there. That was you go through protocol. It was brutal. You go yeah. through protocol, and and I saw Utah fans were concerned to put Moss back on the field. But you go through protocol. If you can answer the questions, and and if you look right, and if you're acting right, then they can't honestly keep you off the field. So Moss had to go through the questioning and and had to do the things he had to do to to be cleared to get back on the field after laying there for a bit. And and so I've got no issues with him being back, but. We've got to see how things end up for Tyler, and we got to think, see how things end up for Darren Paolo because when they made the, the line shift and Nick Ford moved to the outside and Tuala comes in, and it's just not you, – you don't have a two-sided offense that you can really run from, and it, it, you don't have as good an offense without Darren Paolo. And we'll see how that all comes together. The storyline was not the offense at all. It just, it wasn't. This was one of the most complete defensive performance I've ever watched in a college football game. And I'm talking from every area on the field, getting run support from your safeties, getting exact location over the top from cover twos, everybody dialing up their blitzes, blitzes popping free from the play calling to the personnel, to the performance of the personnel Everything was so clean that Arizona State felt choked out and desperate offensively. And Lloyd mentioned Jaden Daniels, 4 of 18 for 25 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. And this is a guy that was averaging 270 yards through the air coming into this game as the number 17 team in the country. 25 yards. Everything was choked out. Route trees were blacked out. They were blank. And I know, Scotty and, and Lloyd, you know, typically I lean on the defensive line and I say, oh, it was the pressure that, that forced the ball, that this, this, and this. In this game, it was odd because as I watched it and was analyzing it, I've got to go back and watch it step by step. But to me, it looked like the coverages were suffocating the Arizona State routes and the defensive pass rush was complementing that. It, it, so it felt like it was more coverage pressures and coverage sacks that led to sacks and pressures than it was pressures and, and blitzes leading to you know unneeded longevity and coverage does that hopefully yeah. that makes sense so no, i like that it's, it's kind of it's kind of a flip reverse of of what i tend to lean on and jalen johnson played a brilliant game i mean how many times did we mention Ayuk as being a devastating receiver he ended up with one catch for seven yards i think he was targeted six times and 
they just couldn't, they couldn't get him fed. And I'll also tell you this, as I'm watching this game, I watched Jalen Johnson go from outside receiver to slot receiver to tight end back out to outside receiver. And I'm thinking, what? They, they, they're just identifying formation, identifying most dangerous receiver and putting Jalen Johnson on him. And he was shutting him down. I mean, he, I'm watching a tight end that's got five inches and probably 80 pounds on him. And Jalen's jamming him in the chest and stepping in front of him on a curl. And it's like, oh, geez, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think, I'm, I'm not positive, but I think Kyle Whittingham mentioned it in his post game. I think he said, yeah, we took Jalen and just put him on most dangerous. Yeah. I, I think that's what he said. We'll have to go back and listen to that audio on Monday. But it was impressive. And then Bradley and I have three sacks. He, I've got him as two pass deflections. They've actually got him as listed as one. But remember in the preview and through the week, Scotty, I said, I think this is a game Bradley can have an insane game. I think this is a game where Utah can really bring pressures. And they did that starting right out of the gates. They had seven guys in the box in the first three downs, seven guys in the box, the first down, seven guys, three linebackers, everybody on their toes. The second down, six guys at the line of scrimmage, one backer, the third down, they brought seven on on a, a full man pressure. It was it, it, right out of the gates. It just looked like Morgan was ready for a dogfight, and and this this team was ready for a dogfight. So a brilliant win for Utah. Only thing that looked like it went well for for Arizona State was Eno Benjamin going for 104. But even that, I think, is in play because of that that long run he had, thirty something. I think it was like thirty plus yards or whatever. Thirty two late in the game. I yeah. Mean, yeah, it was it was late in the game. Um, I mean, that game was over when he when he ran for that. I think I, I'm I'm pretty sure it was like even in the fourth quarter. So, um, I mean, that defense was suffocating. And and that secondary, you guys said it in the post game, hands. You guys, I mean, it seems like they from that USC game, they have they really put it on them and said, hey, you know, we're better than this. Um, and and they've they that secondary has played really well since. You know, just going really well. You go, you go look and and what Utah's done since that USC game. Washington State. Now I know Washington State's not good, but at that point they were. Washington State had a role in a little bit. Utah holds them to thirteen points. Oregon State. The one thing they had going for them, they seemed like they were scoring some points. Utah holds them to seven. Arizona State again, a team that was seventeenth ranked. Add things rolling a bit. Utah holds them to three. Utah's given up 23 points over the last three games. That's pretty good. That's, that'll win you some ball games. That's going to win you some ball games. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. That defense is just <laughs> scary good right now. There are some unsung heroes on that defense. And I talked about one of them. I think it was Tuesday, Scotty, when I was talking about a back and forth that I've, I've had with somebody on that staff. And they said, you've got to understand that our, one of our dark horse heroes, a guy that every single week is, is producing, even against USC, where, you know, Blackman made some mistakes, but you didn't hear this person's name. He said, you've got to talk to Rail Burgess when you're talking about this defense because he is playing undercover. He is playing 
one of the best seasons we've seen in a long time. And and so Terrell Burgess doing a lot of good things. He ended up with five tackles last night. He had a really nice tackle for a loss. And you just don't hear his name because he's always doing his job. And and that's awesome. And the the I wanted to mention was Lucky Pro Two last night. Lucky just continued the best and is aggressive and State came out ready to fight. Now, Lloyd, I think you could probably speak to this. Arizona State was ready for a night fight, man. They, they, I think Herm Edwards had that engine revving, and they they put up as good a fight as they could have, in my opinion. Yeah, they they stayed. Yeah, I mean they they kept you know kind of in striking distance for the most part, just because that ugliness of the game. The, you know, I mean that rain was just pouring. You see it on the TV. Cameras, you could barely even some, you know, some of the some of the cameras, you could barely even, you know, make out the field because it was just got rain all over it. Um, so, I think that that uh that definitely made it, you know, uglier, and they were able to keep it really close until that until that late fumble where they were finally able to really. I mean, I got to imagine Utah fans were still a little bit on edge because they kept thinking, okay, something's going to happen now. So, is Arizona State going to, you know, get a touchdown here or? And and that beat that, that Utah defense just didn't allow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, and you mentioned that punt fumble, and that that kind of was a muff punt, Scotty, and it it kind of sealed the deal for Utah. Yeah, it, it looked Arizona State was within striking distance, you know, it, but you never felt like they, they were going to make it happen because their their offense was so smothered. But there, up until that fumbled punt, you thought, man, maybe Arizona State scores this and gets back in it. But time of possession, Utah ends up 35-30, Arizona State 24-30. So it was just dominant across the board, man. Utah now with, uh, you know, you look at, uh, and I think Frank Dolce brought up a really good point. These next, you know, these three games, he called it the gauntlet. You get game one out of those three. Now you play another great defense at Cal coming up next week, and then you hit the road to take on Washington, who uh, suffered a loss over the weekend to Oregon. So uh, you get game one, and you're facing two really good defenses the rest of the way. Offense has probably got to play better uh, if you want to win, uh, if you want to pick up two more wins against Cal or Washington. But that's a good way to start this three-game stretch for Utah with that win over Arizona State. Uh, you talk about rain. You talk about the nastiness. It was rough up in Logan last night. Uh, we we got hit with a snowstorm uh, that left about an inch and a half out on, out on the field. They were able to get rid of it, uh, but it was cold. It was nasty the rest of the way. And uh, I tell you what, Hans, I know you weren't able to watch much of this game last night, but I think you if you get a chance to watch, especially in the first half, uh, Justin Enna, uh, who's about as good of a human being as anybody will ever meet, but from a defensive standpoint, what they did to that poor Nevada offense was just a thing of beauty. You get a kid, a, a walk-on quarterback, uh, Malik Henry for Nevada, got a win last week against San Jose State, but they threw so many different coverages, pressure coming from all over the place, dropping you know, dropping eight and then dropping a one guy off of that, so bringing two and then bringing that third man as a spy to come and uh, – and, and create some havoc. It was really fun to watch. Defensively, they were really, really special last night, and Justin Enna uh, deserves a ton of credit. Now, offensively, um, the struggles continue, and Jordan Love, outside of maybe the LSU game, probably played one of his worst games of the season. 
I don't know what's going on with uh, with the accuracy, but the accuracy is just not there for him right now. And uh, the offense really struggled. Finally, they got it going uh, late in the uh, in or early in the fourth quarter when Gerald Bright uh, broke off a couple of big runs, sixty seven yard touchdown run. And so Utah State wins that game comfortably, but there's still a lot of concern around that program right now that they're not where they need to be offensively, and they just can't. It was a little surprising because I thought they'd play better coming out of a bye week than they did last night. I'm just looking at this. I I, I I think we could talk defense and talk positively all day long about that defense, but and 36 points for Utah State. Like you don't want to you don't want to talk down to that. But yeah, but uh, you know you they, go you go they, back to uh, they, two. They got a safety after a punt was dropped at the one yard line. Savon Scarver, who's going to be another, he's going to earn All American honors once again. Takes a kickoff back for a touchdown, so he's now got two kickoff returns for scores on the season. Utah State had nine points in the first quarter and uh all of it came from the uh all of it came from special teams and defense. And uh and then finally late in the second quarter they finally get a touchdown, but Utah State had gone uh almost uh let's see, it was uh six uh six uh they went seven consecutive quarters. If you count LSU in the in the second half of the Colorado State game, they've gone seven consecutive quarters without an offensive touchdown until finally getting one late in the second quarter. Interesting. I'm looking at Jordan Love's numbers: thirteen and thirty-one for one sixty-nine, one touchdown, one interception. What is what's different? Is it is it the receivers that he lost? Is it the offensive line? Is it the is it the, the offensive coordinator? Or is it just a perfect collection of everything yeah. and we haven't seen him catch up with everything yet? You know, and I, I talked to Gary Anderson on our postgame show last night. I asked him the same thing. I'm like, you know, what is it? And he said, frankly, I don't know. And I thought we were in a good place coming out of the bye week. Obviously, they're not. Um, and 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 I think, you know, to hands to your point, I think it's a collection of everything. I think the offensive line has had its struggles. They give up uh, especially some interior pressure. Um, I think that the timing with new players just hasn't really developed the way that you would like it to at this point. And I think there's a confidence issue, honestly. I think that, and, and that's just my opinion, by the way, just pure, pure me just watching the game up in the press box. I think that there's just a, a confidence level with the quarterback that I think if he gets it right, he'll get back into a good place. But for whatever reason, he's pressing and just not comfortable in the pocket. He short-armed a lot of balls last night. And I don't know what it is, um, but I think the right answer is probably what you said, a collection of everything, new players, new OC, new offensive line, um, and, and a much different, you know, much better schedule. Nevada's not a great team. They were 4-2 and two coming into that game last night, but defensively, they're, they're pretty good. But Utah State should have put 45, 50 points on the board uh, on that team. They, they're, they're not a good team, and that offense just – just really had a tough time getting going. Thirteen to thirty-one uh, for one sixty-nine just isn't going to get it done when you go to Air Force next week because Air Force is really, really good. It's so weird with it. I mean, it's Jordan Love. I mean, before the season started, it's you know, I mean, the hopes for him were so high. I mean, hey, I mean, they were backing him, you know, as a you know a Heisman dark horse, and and you're thinking, oh, he's going to have a this just this big season, and for whatever reason, he just can't. He can't quite put it together, and and you know I don't know if it's scheme. Obviously, there's got to be. I got to imagine there's got to be some confidence issues that are right now. They're they're there right now. Um, but 
it's just, it's so it's so weird because I, I feel like I mean how how are the receivers? I mean he's got running back, so you, I feel like that should open up the passing game fairly yeah. easily. I mean yeah, Gerald Bright go off for one twenty six. You know, good to see Jalen Warren back out there, and he went. He had 73. I mean, they ran for 244 yards. Yep. You got to think, hey, this opens up the pass game. And for whatever reason, he's still, I mean, that's 13 of 31. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's strange. It really is. You know, you go I, back. And I wonder, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Hans. Oh, I, well, I wonder if one thing I can add on the game of football as, as a player advances, the game of football and how you perceive it evolves as your position change, you know, sometimes you get married and you're playing football and you feel like this is the only means to provide, you know, maybe Jordan was getting scouts in his ears that are telling him, hey, you're high drastic, you can make millions. And that changed the way he, the confidence, instead of just playing free and loose, like, hey, I'm just a freshman or I'm just a sophomore out here throwing a football, it becomes well, this is my life, and that's millions of dollars in front of me. That can affect your your vision. That can, that can affect the way you you go out and perform. You you play tight instead of playing loose and comfortable and confident. So, I could see so many different things changing for Jordan Love in a year. But the, the weird thing is, he was playing one of the top five, maybe eight quarterback prospects for the NFL draft because of his pocket presence and his high point release. His accuracy came from those two things. He he felt confident in the pocket and he had a high point release that that led to that accuracy and led to those receptions and led to the big chunk yardages and big game. But honestly, I think that the scouts look at a couple of things and say, well, he's this level because of this. And that is, his size and stature, his confidence in the pocket, and his high point release. He had in a well, he had an NFL high point release that was extremely confident and visible. For like for me that played in the NFL that would have I watched those quarterbacks for years with a release it was just a perfect form of lease and led to him being a high level prospect. Something somewhere, his his mental makeup or his d- design of what football can be or the, the money, or if he's getting coaching instruction behind the scenes that is, is degrading this, that's another thing that Gary Anderson needs to look into and just make sure that everything is being put in front of Jordan to succeed because this just doesn't seem like the quarterback we watch. This, this shouldn't, losing an offensive line and losing receivers should have effect shouldn't change who he is like this. Yeah, yep. And, and, the, and the the concerning thing, and I know we're nitpicking here because Utah State won by 26. And so, you know, I'm sure Utah State fans like, hey, what, you know, you know, wh- why are you nitpicking a 26-point victory? Because expectations are high. Look, uh, this team's going to Air Force. This team still has Wyoming who's playing well. This team still has Boise State on the schedule. BYU's coming up here in two weeks and Look, Cougars are going to come off a bye week with a ton of confidence coming into this game. So, you know, when you look at how you want the rest of the season to go, the the final half of the schedule, Utah State sits at 4-2. and two. There's not a lot of gimmies, maybe outside of New Mexico to wrap up the season. This schedule over the final six games is brutal for Utah State. And if they want a challenge for a Mountain West Conference title, there's things to clean up, and there's a lot of things to clean up. 
and that's that that's the concerning part they've already exercised you know they've already used their two bye weeks and so it's everything's on the fly going forward there's no there's no more weeks off and they got to get that offense clicking if they want to uh, achieve their goals coming into this season so uh you know it's concerning yes is it fixable i think so um it's just uh they got to get uh, they got to get that offense right going forward so a lot to be uh, a lot to break down the fact that they have air force before BYU that's just brutal. Yeah, that that's why you don't put LSU there. You got BYU coming off you. You got BYU coming off this win over over uh, number fourteen Boise State. So they got that game ahead of them. They have to play Air Force, which is just that's just not a fun game for anybody. So that, I mean that that's that 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 that's brutal. You got Air Force, BYU, then at Fresno, home to Wyoming, Boise State, New Mexico. Uh, if you don't play well, there's there's four more losses in the in that schedule right there. If you know, I mean that's I mean there's there's a really tough stretch there of games, and it starts with Air Force coming up this week. And hands, you know better than anybody how difficult it is to go to Colorado Springs and get a W. Hello, hands. Oh Uh-oh. man, oh we lost him. Well, we were wrapping it up. We were wrapping him up, wrapping it up anyway, Lloyd. Yeah, you know what? You and I have some good stuff right there. I'm gonna say that might have been the best part of the show. I know, I know. Honestly, sure. <laughs> All right. Well, for Hans, whose phone just died on him, uh, for Lloyd Cole, I'm Scott Gerard. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow at noon on 97.5-1280 The Zone. That is your morning after podcast right here on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.